0: Good morning good and morning. good evening
1: good and evening
0: good night and good everything to everyone all around the world um i'm i'm thrilled to have another amazing guest today you've got to and say fact, who we are oh yeah we're voices to dream yeah. and this is suzanne mann and i'm richard harris and uh, actually it's dr richard anthony harris that's my new identity apparently according to my publicity publicity
1: person <laughs> it's not Richard. Use harris that doctor anymore. thing
0: yeah, you got to, because there's so many Richard Harris's around, it's not funny. It's, mm. I'm just another Richard Harris. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: by the way, did you know surnames weren't invented until the 16th century?
2: Oh, uh,
3: okay. No. And that's, I think that's a clue as to how interesting and knowledgeable our guest is going to be today.
1: Yes. <laughs> or, or random. Or how about just random?
0: <laughs> so, we have today um, a chat called Chris Colbert and he is a really interesting guy and he's in Boston right now and he's got this podcast called Insert Human and I was on it a couple of months ago and it was one of the I think it was the best podcast by a long way in terms of me enjoying it and me Mm -hmm. getting what I wanted to talk about because Chris gets into your brain and he gets into the meat of the topic and he's such a an experienced guy in life in in the way the world is and I think it's just going to be a a really interesting guest for us today and thanks so much Chris for coming and being with us today it's just lovely to have you well
1: thanks for setting the bar so high I couldn't possibly reach it (laughs) Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that was cruel of you to do, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try my best. That's that's all I got. I'll try I mean, my
0: best. Chris is Chris has got a fascinating background. I mean, his dad, your dad, was like an admiral, of, ran the European theater. I mean, what that'd be a yeah a job, you know, job yeah. right now. And then you've been into innovation, like running innovation labs at Harvard, and mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about. Wait, about oh, wait. Your.
3: you're getting oh. into you're you're getting oh. into the story first thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Right or wrong. No, well, there, there, I like to stick by the rules, Chris.
1: Okay, stick by the rules then.
3: <laughs> Before we start, we have a we have oh. something that we like to do called a check-in.
0: Keep forgetting mm-hmm. the check-in. Yeah.
3: And how can be- I forget
0: the check-in?
2: I
3: know.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So where we just like everyone to just check in, because I guess what we're trying to do is we're trying to maybe get this idea into our listeners' heads as well about the importance mm-hmm. of checking in with people. And that it's more than just a, hi, how are you? It's a, how are you checking in at this point in time? So, and just to obviously make sure we're all at ease and everything as well. Mm. So I'm going to start with Richard and I'm going to ask Richard how he's checking in so that you get an idea of what we mean.
0: Okay. Well, I'm checking in exhausted from a very busy week of working up in the tropics, but it was fun as well. Um, Full of confidence, no self-doubt, ready to go fascinated to hear what Chris has got to say so I'm checking in very very well what about you Suzanne are you checking in
3: me I'm checking in hopefully this will all be gone by the time the podcast actually airs but I'm checking in from having a week of isolation because my family's all had COVID and (laughs) and I did not get it so but uh, you know it's just been a really strange week having five Mm. people in a house all locked in different rooms, walking around, disinfecting everywhere. Um, It's just been really, and and there was part of me that thought I could get lots done during the week and I did nothing. I just wanted to sit and do nothing all week. So Mm. I'm checking in a little strangely.
0: (laughs) Strange or strange? Yeah.
3: I, okay. I, maybe I am just—I'm strange, but um, I think I'm really. But I'm also checking in in that I'm so looking forward to this conversation because I haven't really had many conversations with people this week. <laughs> hmm. <Fair
1: enough>. everybody's <laughs> ha- healthy though now. Everybody out of coming out.
3: They are. They are. It was. It was very. Um,
1: You're worried about your mum. Yeah, you?
3: especially at the beginning, my my mum had been down with us, and so she and she ended up getting it as well so that was very concerning and emotionally draining um sure. and even things like my little my little eight-year-old now he's a bit scared to go back to school because he doesn't oh. want to pass it on to anyone else even though he's passed the period so there's just a lot of emotions that go on with all of that now I think you know and it's we've had so much put into our minds about it over the past few years but you know we have all been vaccinated now and it's just you know, in Australia, yeah. it's everywhere right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, how I'm, that's how I'm checking in. And how yeah. about you, Chris? How are you checking in from Boston today?
1: Um, I think the week, if the context is a week, the week was a, a, a journey sort of, of um, dealing with a fair amount of um, feeling let down by certain um, people in my work, um, certain uh, professional relationships that um, just didn't didn't pan out the way I thought they would and just I guess just being frustrated um, for a large chunk of the week about that um, and then the, the journey part is working through that and I think we all would do that right like like these moments of darkness ultimately we fight our way to the light um, and so the the light the light, dawned um yesterday for me and started realizing sort of rethinking a lot of those moments of frustration and realizing what was maybe going on with the the people or the organization I was talking to or within me and just sort of like you know uh retrospection is a powerful thing you know Mm -hmm. and you sort of like oh I now see what was really going on Mm -hmm. either within me or within them and, and so, and I think that if there's a lesson in there, it's along the way, not taking the bait fully, yeah. now, you know, that term taking the bait is that, yeah. is that an Australian um, yeah. thing Yeah, that in the moment when you're feeling that frustration or that anger or that, whatever you're feeling, assuming it's a dark thing, not. Not acting on it, just all, mm. like taking it and then processing mm. it and giving yourself some time. And then again, that retrospective capacity is like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, I end up on Saturday, today to Saturday with clarity. So I feel pretty good about moving through um, what was it? at the no, most of the week was a difficult week, but yeah. it ends up with a, being a clarifying week. So that's, mm. good. that's good.
0: That's good.
3: What a good check-in. Yeah. You're even was, good at checking in and taking the bait. That's totally what um, Richard was actually just it's you were just he was describing an incident where we're trying to figure out the wording for what happened. And that's totally what happened. You took the bait. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So that was <laughs> that's happened I mean, to I a few think, people I, mean, a, like, as a, as a,
1: I think I think we all do it. We 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 do it at home, we do it at work. We do it in, in society and, and I, and we all, we all know we do it. Mm. <laughs> and mm. I, I, I think when you do it, you, you never benefit, Yeah. you know? And so just being mindful of, okay, these moments are a choice. Do I take the bait or not take the bait?
0: Yeah.
1: And if you can obviously not take the bait and, and, you know, you end up in a better place.
0: Mm. Chris, how did you become this guy that you are, this sort of, bastion a bit of not I know you don't particularly like the word intelligence or, or you want it defined and but but how did you become so intelligent in my definition of intelligence How can
3: you never ask me that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that Where did you where did you come Where did you come from Tell us about yourself.
1: Well, I actually don't think I am intelligent, and I, I have my SAT scores to prove that. <laughs> uh, I I think I I I had two things going for me. Uh, early on. One was, um, you mentioned my dad. And my, my dad was like a terrible dad. I mean, not, not terrible intentionally. He was just absent because, as you mentioned, his last job was the commander-in-chief of the Allied Forces in Southern Europe, which is a four-star admiral position. And you know, he was... He was fighting, you know, you know, it was all about the free world. I mean, a lot of what's happening with NATO right now, my dad was very intimately involved in driving NATO's strengthening during the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s. Yeah. And so the point of all that is to say I grew up in a, with a global context.
2: Yeah.
1: Like we weren't sitting around the dining room table talking about sports teams.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We were talking about Cold War. Yeah. we're talking about what was going on in the middle east you know Mm -hmm. we were talking about serious stuff Mm -hmm. so that was a a big sort of driver of of how i of of really what i'm doing today yeah and the second piece is um kind of related i grew up in a household that was largely devoid of human intimacy very structured very i mean imagine you are you know you're You're living in this, you know, your father's in a uniform with like medals all over, you know. And and, and I was raised by a nanny. So I had an English nanny, and and she was my mother and my father, effectively. And just so for most of my young, early life, I didn't really have much human experience. It was Mm -hmm. all very mechanistic and very formal. And then as I got into early adulthood, I, I started. Realizing that.
2: Mm.
1: And then in my 30s, um, I realized how um, broken I was,
2: mm.
1: um, in part because I had been raised in this pretty antiseptic environment, kind of humanless environment. Mm. And so in my 30s, I began to, I, I, I blew up my life and I began to really do the work of understanding me and understanding emotion and understanding feeling. And then I began realizing that as I was learning about me, I, I was actually becoming a better leader and a better manager. And then I began realizing the whole thing is about human understanding.
2: Yeah.
1: Not just my life, your life, every, you know, the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so from 35 to now, my body of work, it doesn't matter whether I worked at Harvard or, or ran my own company. It doesn't it, Those were all just sort of um, like almost like artifacts. What matters is the thread that I was following, the path I was trying to to hoe was how to better understand human truths Mm -hmm. in order to ensure that the outcome or the endeavor was successful through the lens of human success, not necessarily capitalist success so a long-winded way of saying my I don't I really don't think I am intelligent I think I've just spent the last 25 years of my life studying human yeah and not through the lens of sort of the sciences of psychology you know everything I mean if you saw my reading list you'd be like what Mm -hmm. but everything is about humans at some Mm -hmm. and so I've just been kind of coming at it and and you know, insert human is the same thing. It's yeah. examining humans through every lens possible. Yeah. Sometimes the lens of me in the case of solo talks, sometimes the lens of brilliant people like you, Richard, but it's all pointing to the same question is what does it mean to be human?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in understanding ourselves Better understanding ourselves, how do we apply that to ensure that the endeavor, whatever it might be, results in greater benefit for more people?
2: Yeah.
1: And so that, so what's interesting about that, and I think the reason why people think I'm intelligent is because not that many people do what I just said. No. In fact, I think a lot of people ignore their human.
2: Yeah.
1: And Chris from age zero. To thirty-five, ignored his human. Mm. Didn't actually didn't even know he had
0: you one. Weren't, you weren't taught to to learn about it.
3: But now, what does what does it mean for our <laughs> listeners? Now, I I love the human side of things, but what does it mean, Chris, for our listeners who are like, "What on earth is he talking about? Your human, you know, and studying your human? What do you mean?"
1: So, it's a great question. Um, There are dimensions of existence. Um, and for most people, the dimension that we hold onto is the mechanistic dimension of survival of survival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you think about it, you know Maslow's hierarchy of need you know Maslow, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming and the first level of need is physiological. The second level of need is safety. The third level of need is belonging. Most people define who they are and how they are and whether it's good or bad through those three levels. Mm-hmm. The next two, so that's, that's, that's pretty mechanistic, frankly. Do I have food? Do I have water? Do I have walls to protect me from the woolly mammoth and the saber-toothed tiger? And then the love and belonging is, am I not alone? hmm And that could be, I have a wife, I have a husband, or whatever, I have a pet, I don't know, but it's Mm -hmm. pretty mechanistic. The next two levels, self-esteem and self-actualization, are where it gets really interesting, because that's where the human stuff is. Mm -hmm. You know, self-esteem, you know, the the enemy of self-esteem is fear, right? Mm -hmm. And we are riddled with it. Mm And fear has the cousin doubt and anxiety and worry and regret and shame. That's in all of us. And then when you get to self-actualization, that requires actually knowing self, knowing one's innermost desires and innermost passions, Mm -hmm. knowing one's innermost strengths. In order to do that, you have to look in the mirror.
3: Oh no, it's gonna be
1: hard for me. Who, <laughs> who the hell wants to do that? Mm. So the complexity of those two, the last two levels mm. of Maslow is mm. what causes most people to avoid it mm. and to hold on to the mechanistic form of human physiological safety and love and belonging, and define their life that way. Mm. And if you look at me at the age of thirty-five, mechanistically, I was, I was killing it. Mm. I was a very successful CEO with a very successful company and a lovely house and a lovely car and you know the the whole thing. Mm. But it was completely devoid of my human.
3: So was it? Was it also? Yeah, you weren't happy. Was it because, like, I mean, is this? For me, part of this sort of comes down to this thing of people not finding their happiness, maybe.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I think so. I, I, I think I, my only hesitance about happy is is a happy, happy at is, a lower level. Yeah, I mean, there's all True. different. That's exactly right, Richard. I mean, I think there's all different dimensions of 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 that. Um, that that word is viewed. Happy is like mm, I'm happy. Mm. You know, where, where's, where's fulfilled in that? Where's challenged in that mm-hmm. like for my kind of human I need mm-hmm. challenge We were talking challenge. about moving to the Bahamas I, I I'm not sure that you know that that I don't know if I could self-actualize in Nassau maybe I could I, I could be wrong but but I think I think I it was less a matter of being unhappy and more a matter of realizing that my human wasn't part of my operating equation. And, and I'll give you a quick story. Um, two things happened that, that year that was pivotal. I was pivotal. gonna, I was gonna was ask if you to, had a like,
0: Damascus moment or was it a gradual thing, but yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think it was, it was a, there was a moment and, and two uh-huh. things happened um, within the course of like six months. Well, three things. I'll I'll tell you all three. Number one is I read an article in Fast Company and there was a reference uh, to a a quote by Oliver Wendell Holmes who once said, who you are should come before what you do. And I read that. And I I remember that day as if it was like 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, I have no idea Mm -hmm. who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at those words in black and white and I have no idea who I am. A couple months later, a friend of mine randomly calls me and says, hey, you want to go You want to go a psychic with me? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> not something I would normally do. Sure. So why if we go to Alex at the Tremont Tea Room, which is coincidentally like not that far from here. And uh, Alex is this very strange guy. His eyes sort of roll back in his head. He's, he's rather large. And, uh, he, he keeps asking me uh, these questions that go something like, so Chris, how do you feel about X, Y, or Z? And um, apparently I kept responding with, well, Alex, I think A, B, C. And Alex uh, at some point got angry with me. And he said, Chris, I don't care what you think. I want to know what you feel. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I have no idea. Just like I had no idea with the Oliver Wendell Holmes quote, I had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, I'm not exaggerating, guys. Mm -hmm. I am like, I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing that happened was my uh, now ex-wife and I had a Thanksgiving party you know the day after thanksgiving and we had a 100 people to our house and i realized the next day that the entire party all i had done i had a bottle of red in one hand a bottle of white in the other and i just filled glasses all night pretend you know being the host but really what i was doing was avoiding emotion was was avoiding intimacy Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and um and so the next day i i was just that morning when I woke up and realized that I said enough. This is enough. I mm-hmm. I so I, I wasn't overtly unhappy to your point, Suzanne. I just knew something wasn't right.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I began doing the work. And in doing the work, I began realizing I'm not alone. You know, like mm-hmm. you go into this stuff thinking, oh, I'm the one that's screwed up, or I and then you start realizing you talk to people and you start sharing you know probably my my superpower in all this is my willingness to tell the truth about everything yes yeah and 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 people some people run away from it because you know emotional intimacy I actually broke up with a friend of mine the other day a guy that I've known for years and we went out for for dinner and he just couldn't go there and I finally said you know Hank I, I don't think this works you know like Mm-hmm. I I need to be my I need to live my truth. I need to put it on the table because it's still in putting it on the table, I learn.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. that's the other thing. Now nobody has, I'll never forget going to see the Dalai Lama. And somebody in the audience asked a question about self-actualization. And he, he he's a really I don't know if you've ever seen him, he's just mm-hmm. a wonderful, amazing yeah. human being. And he just kind of laughed and he goes, I'm not, I'm not even close. Meaning like this isn't, this is, this is forever, Mm -hmm. you know, until we, we die. Like every day is an opportunity to learn more and, and, and yeah, to, 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 to learn about all these many facets and all these many complexities of being human. Uh, so what, I don't, I don't, what
0: have you found to be the most useful way you've, you've had that uh, you, you're probably 37 now so you've had a couple of years, years to, yeah. to think about all of this now what what do you kind of what have you learned as the best way of learning to be human and and what and you've got this amazing podcast where you're talking to interesting people what have you learned what what are the best sort of things that have come out to, from that 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 you've you've picked up
1: That's a great question. Um, By the way, it's so fun being the guest. (laughs) I like like interviewing people, but I like being the guest. I love asking questions too. It's like when, you know, I do a lot of speaking and sometimes the conferences or the corporations will ask me if I'm also willing to moderate a panel. I'm like, you know, can I just talk? Um, So, um, you know, I think the number one thing I've learned about how to learn About being human is um, forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Which is to say, you have to be. It's like this past week, you know, I talked about the frustration that I had with certain relationships and certain people. Ultimately, I, I forgave them. But more importantly, I forgave myself. Mm. There there was a little bit of an impetuous child reaction I had to like one of them. There was like you have to own that all these relationships are two way. Yeah. Mm. We Mm. we like to believe we are right. (laughs) We are perfect, (laughs) and that whatever's not right is their fault. Mm. And and so forgiveness of self and and allowing one's darkness to be and being and and hugging it as readily as we hug our lightness um which is not to say we we aren't on, we aren't on the quest to evolve we aren't on the quest to uh, let go of some of our um our fears, our anger, our shame, our worry, our doubt, you know,
2: it's
1: right, that's, that's the project, but, but to, to be okay with it, like one of, one of the greatest accomplishments of my life, going back to Alex telling me, asking me if I could feel, which I couldn't, is I, I've theorized in my wacky brain that there are 26 emotions. And I don't even know why that number, but I might've read something along the way, but you know, at the, the, the top of the scale or maybe on the right, right of the scale is elation. And at the far end of the other scale is, is dejection or whatever. But I believe the, the journey is about feeling the entire scale all the mm-hmm. time.
2: Yeah.
1: Like anger is a good, is okay. Mm-hmm. Anger constantly is bad. Yeah. Sadness, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. You know, anxiety, okay. It's, it's when the stuff becomes sort of stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Where I think it becomes a a big problem. So so back to your question. I think number one is forgiveness. Um, Number two is um, the power of observation. Like I had the ability to remove myself from myself and watch. You're like, oh, (laughs) that's interesting that you reacted that way. Yeah. Yeah, and so by, cool. by being able to remove yourself from yourself, you're like, okay, what happened just then? Really? Yeah. What was underneath that? Mm. What was coming forward from your upbringing that might've caused you to translate what was being said that way, or to overreact the way you did. Mm. And so I think learning how to observe oneself. And it, it's a form of like introspection is, is a, is within right i'm talking about almost extrospection but mm-hmm. instead of looking at the world you're actually looking at yourself mm. yeah
3: well and it comes down to actually taking the time to do it doesn't it
1: absolutely you
3: know actually- and i'll give you
1: another a quick anecdote to that so i went out for for a drink with uh, my son's uh, boss the other day so long story why that why that happened but um He's a really wonderful guy. And I'd never met him before. And we, you know, I was meeting at a bar and he, he's right out of the gate. He goes, I have two questions for you. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know that was the agenda. But what he goes, can you tell me how to be a better parent? And uh, can you explain to me how to how to help uh, how to transform a company? I'm like, oh, oh they're wow. easy. So easy. easy. Well, <laughs> I mean, the funny thing, guys, is in both cases, I brought Maslow into the equation. But my point about we talked about parenting. He said, "You know," and I explained to him sort of my views on parenting. And he said, "You know, the challenge is I'm I'm working so hard," and he does have a huge job, and you know, it's just like I just don't have the time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I'm like, I actually don't think this is about extra time. Mm -hmm. I think this is a choice.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. In other words, how do we use the time with our kids? how do we use the time w- between when we're with our kids when we're not with the kids to think about our kids to think about them through the lens of maslow to think about our intentions for them mm-hmm. and the same is true for the work that i do you know i go to the gym i'm on the treadmill i'm doing whatever i can think about i can think about the ukraine through the human truth mm-hmm. i can or i can choose to think about sports you know like and it's just—it's a choice. And I think—I think finding your human, and/or figuring out how to insert, insert more human into your relationships, into your work, anything, is not—it's not actually extracurricular or a heavy lift. And for me, by the way, I find it profoundly. It makes everything I do profoundly interesting. Mm. Mm. It's it's moving everything from the mechanistic to the humanistic. And we know humanism is sloppy and complicated and there's all the chock full of all this stuff that just makes anything we do interesting.
0: And you've been concentrating a lot on what you call the three pillars, health, education, and the financial systems. Finance, and you've been money, talking money, to people yeah. about that and what have you what have you kind of and, and you've been crystallizing it in a book i I understand yep. how how are you how are you putting all that together and and uh, tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Well, I, I, the, I think I think the the mess we've gotten ourselves into as a species, is largely a function of a lack of clear intention for the species, coupled with a, um, two um, un, unstewarded forces that we unleashed decades ago. And we had no idea what they were gonna do. One force is capitalism, and I'm really talking about the Western world, one force is capitalism and the other forces technology. So here we are as a group of people. We aren't clear about the goal for the people. Mm-hmm. And then we let go these two marauding beasts <laughs> called capitalism and technology. Yeah. And then because there's quick economic success, like economic growth, we're like, this is great. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do, we then start molding or bending the core systems of society, education, healthcare, and finance to promulgate that economic growth. Then what we do, because it's so profoundly effective, is we start pulling out the human threats that had been there before, Mm. because they're not that productive. Mm. They actually make things messier. Hmm. They're complicated. The whole job is to build an economic juggernaut. Yeah. And the theory is it'll everybody will win. Hmm. But when you start pulling out the human threads, like look at education, you know, in the old days in higher education, humanism or the humanities were part of the entire curriculum. Yeah. They were woven hmm. across the whole thing. Hmm. But as we got fixated on productivity and cranking out people ready to work, ready to be, you know, Titans of industry, we turned the thread into its own bucket and it became an elective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like being human is now on the list of courses you could take.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and not many people pick it, do they?
1: <laughs> not many people pick it because well, like, the whole measure of a life is economic that's right. success.
3: That's right. Not human
1: success, no. economic success. We did the exact same thing in healthcare. We've done the exact same thing in, in finance. We just, we just sucked the human out of the whole thing. Mm. Mm. And then we allowed the juggernauts or the marauding, whatever's to, to define the s- success.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and I think, so, so what I'm seeing and the good, here's the good news. And we talked about this a little earlier. I'm seeing a movement. I'm, I have no dearth of people to interview on my show because there are people in healthcare, education, finance, and beyond who are trying to figure out how to reset the core systems of, of modern society to put human understanding and human outcomes, human benefits first. Yeah. Without derailing economic, the economic engine, so... We, we, we do need economic growth. Mm. I'm not challenging GDP as one measure, mm. but I am challenging it as the measure. Yeah. I'm not challenging mm. a person's ability to make money as a measure of their life, but I am going to say at the end, you're not going to look back and count how much money you made. You're going to look yeah. back and say, was that life a life of meaning? Was it a life of consequence? Was it a life of, of true fulfillment? Mm. So there are... There are, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess, hundreds of thousands of individuals and organizations, and I include you two. That are, that are putting a spotlight on the issue, mm-hmm. and they're working to. To to change it, um, I mean, the UN is trying, you know. I mean, but but I think, yeah, the, mm-hmm. there are lots of organizations.
3: And that's well, and and that is that that is exactly what we're trying to do here as well, because we're trying to let people know that it's through having these sort of conversations you know and every every voice you know we're voices too but every voice has that potential to make a right. difference in someone else's life right. to make it and in someone else's life can actually then break out to be the systems and the bigger exactly know, the bigger right. world around us so that's that exactly right that's truly and it. that was going
1: to be my third my third thing um around all this in terms of, of what I'm learning about learning mm. about being human is you have to find um, your, I call it your tribe. You have to find people. And that doesn't mean they're exactly the same place, but that firstly, they're not uncomfortable talking about this stuff. And some yeah. people are,
2: yeah.
1: mm. um, but, and what I've found is talking like Richard, you know, we, like, we're like, oh my God, you know, and, and it gives you motivation and it gives you new ways of thinking and it makes you feel not alone. And, and you, it, you know, you translate it into hope. And for me, what it's, what it's also turned into is an amazing collection of, of, of friends around the world <laughs> yeah. who I've never, I mean, Richard and I have never been in the same room, but I think of him as a friend. And one day I'm going to, I'm going to be in Sydney and we're going to, you know, yeah. Same. So you, you, you realize there already is a movement. There already are these people. Um, but the way somebody asked me recently, how do you find them? And I said, well, this kind of goes back to forgiveness. Imagine you walk into a cocktail party and you speak Swahili and nobody else speaks Swahili. And you just start speaking Swahili. And some people are like thrown off by your Swahili-ness. <laughs> And they like run away, but one or two people walk over to you, and they actually speak Swahili too. And the next thing you know, you're like locked in on this amazing (laughs) conversation in Swahili. And that's what I'm finding is everywhere I go, I'm polarizing. Mm -hmm. Either people run away or they want to hug me. Yeah, Yeah.
3: (laughs) and And it's putting it's putting yourself out there, isn't it? And that's which which again for me comes back so. Chris, I don't know if you know, but yeah. So I call myself the challenge girl. And
1: I didn't see that. I don't, I don't actually know what, why is that is it challenging? <laughs> but
3: I, I, maybe I'm a little challenging. Um, I like to challenge because I think I, when I had my sort of aha moment of finding my human, I realized that I needed to challenge myself more. And I, I so yeah. now I, I challenge myself and I challenge, I like to think I challenge the people around me Um to push a bit deeper, to go a bit further, you know, to, yeah. to keep investigating and learning and, um, and putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations because it might be uncomfortable to start, but then that's how you do meet the most amazing people or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. it is. So for me, that's, I think that's
1: exactly right.
3: I can completely I mean, relate to that.
1: I, I, um, I am very aware of my mortality. Not in a morbid way, but in a really helpful and frankly motivating way. Like, I don't have that many years left. You,
0: you had that guest on the other day, and you were you were mentioning that LED light in the kitchen. That oh yeah 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 that, that was fascinating. That actually triggered something in my brain too.
1: Well, now you've got
3: to Thank tell you. me what it is because I haven't heard that
1: part. <laughs> well, it's the idea. Well, actually, there are two things that I've two devices I've used in my talks, and I referenced. One of them in my book is this idea that imagine in your kitchen there was an LED display that had the number of days, hours, minutes, and seconds you had left on the earth.
3: You tell me that. Yes.
1: In fact, I have to give a talk in Panama next month and they asked me to talk about this. They don't want me to talk about like corporate innovation. They actually want me to talk about this. This is what yeah. we've been talking about. I'm like, really? You want me to talk about that? I'm like, yes. Which also reveals. This is yeah. the largest ATM network in Central America. They want me to be a keynote at their annual summit and talk about human.
3: Wow. Fantastic.
1: So that's, that's people we got, that's hope.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but the other, the other one I use, which is equally powerful is, is I talk about, imagine one day you're walking down the street and you see a, a, a cinema, a movie theater marquee—you know the, the the big sign out front—and and and the title of the movie playing is Your Life, and it's Your Life, Sudan. Hmm. And you you buy a ticket and you go in and you sit down. <laughs> there's nobody else in the theater, and the movie starts playing, and it's a two-hour movie, and you're sitting there watching your life, and the question. At the end of that movie, do you give it a standing ovation? Oh, no. Or do you walk out <laughs> thinking, missed opportunity, didn't, did, boring.
3: Wow, I know, I was going to say, what
1: if I fall asleep? Fell <laughs> Not not much of a movie, didn't take risk, didn't push envelope. Didn't didn't engage interesting people, didn't didn't try, didn't you mm. know? Like, what kind of movie do you yeah. want to make? Yeah, mm. and, yeah. And it, and that's I mean that's I think as I like powerful it. as the I LED like one because yeah. like, I want to make a great fucking movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you you will for sure. I mean you are you are. It's a great movie. Well, so I mean, like, I'm
1: more. I mean, like, if I got taken out today, I I. I I mean, you, you said something, Suzanne. I I would I would go happily knowing two things or three things. Number one, I've taught my children the importance of truth. Um, number two, I have an amazing people in my life, including you two. And number three, I tried. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's some, that doesn't mean some I good stuff. succeeded. Wow. <laughs> it just means. Succeeding. I did not try, yeah. you know, and and, and, I, and I'll i just say this, that every moment of every day is a choice to try or not to, try to take risk or to not take risk, to, 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 to hide or, or to expose oneself to I, I, one of my new favorite metaphors that I've been using is this idea that we, we live in boxes and society, modern society has created the sense that the job is to, is to get out of one box and get into another box.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And all, many of our relationships are boxes, and work is a box, and, and the boxes are safety. Mm-hmm. You know, back to Maslow, boxes are safety. And if there are other people in the box, that's love and belonging. So boxes mm-hmm. like work, but mm-hmm. they don't really work. Yeah. Because that's a life should not be a box. Yeah. It should yeah. not be a collection of boxes. A life should have no walls right it should be one massive exploration of self and the journey of realizing one's truth and doing that with people you love like no yeah. boxes people
2: yeah.
1: yeah so every day is and i'm actually talking to this kid and at in this random young man 19 years old reached out to me it's like can i talk to you and he's like chris my entire school, every 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 one of my peers at school is is fixated on graduating and getting into their career box.
2: Mm.
1: Like, and their parents are like, "You got to find your career box." And I'm like, "How could a 22 year old know what box they should get in?" Yeah, that makes no sense to me.
2: Yeah,
1: I think at least the first three years after college, you should just mm. travel get, the world, get meet as many people as possible, <laughs> do as yeah. many jobs as possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's talent. like marrying somebody after one date. Like, who in their right mind would do that? <laughs> yeah. You know. So, um... it's rules. I don't as know. I'm, I mean, mm. Oh,
3: no,
0: that's that's fantastic insight, Chris.
3: I know. I could I could keep oh. talking about this yeah. forever. <laughs> I find it so <laughs> interesting. Well,
1: I could do. Uh, it annoys my wife to no end.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us to our. I'm going to bring us to our imagining focus. part. We were talking Chris was talking earlier about yeah. having a having a focus, having a goal and what is our actual goal that we're trying to achieve here. And so what we try to do in each podcast is imagine what that could be. And so we've picked a we've picked a little section from an interesting book we have. Imagine. About imagining. I've heard about that book. <laughs> and i guess we wanted your and and we wanted your insight into it because we find it i mean i think this is there's so many different things to pick out in this little section but it's it's a lot about um, democracy and we'll just see what you think so i'm going to read a little part this is to put so this into context
0: yeah so it's a uh, this is a professor who's sort of giving a lecture 60 years after Imagine day and he's describing what happened you know how they developed democracy after Imagine Day, and, and I know I know you're got a fear of technology, but uh, I guess maybe in your book you're integrating it to be a useful thing as well. So
1: I don't yeah. have. A, let me be clear. I don't have a fear against technology. I, I I think the the issue with technology is not technology. The issue with technology is we unleashed it. Yeah. With okay. no consideration of of. Yeah. Who manages technology? Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, which I think this sort of touches on as well. And just to, so everyone understands, Imagine Day is the day that the world, everyone in the world becomes compassionate, becomes thoughtful, you know, actually cares about each other. Mm-hmm. So this is 60 years after, and he is, this professor is talking about what's happened since then.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Within a few weeks, the global democracy was taking shape. Almost everybody on the planet had access to the collective wisdom, and people were inventing systems to make the most of both cerebral knowledge and physical skills that people possessed. Obvious needs for education, farming, irrigation, and food distribution were rapidly reformed. The real work was in organizing the best minds to come together to provide leadership on a global scale. The systems were designed to allow both the introvert and the extrovert to contribute equally to the system. Weightings were assigned by both artificial intelligence methods and human and mass human assessments of proposals. People put forward ideas and problems in terms of the organization of territories, traditional lands and former countries and where critical needs were and how best to address them. Discussion discussion forums of every type, face-to-face, academic, social, medical, In online chat discussions, in blogs and tweets, in news reports and journal pieces were gathered, noted, assessed and collated. With the combination of advanced AI and dedicated human determination and hard work, the very best ideas and policies that people agreed could and should be implemented were quickly implemented. From these practical outcomes and from the analysis of who had the abilities to coordinate, shape and achieve outcomes, the leaders of the new world emerged. Waitings toward not only academic and technical knowledge were factored into progress, were factored into the progression of the leaders, but also proven compassion and empathy. That last that last sentence is my favorite. I, I love compassion. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. That's great. So what Who do you- wrote that? <laughs> okay. As a joke.
3: <laughs> what do you think? What do you think is it? Is it possible? Is it possible? Is this this the world that we're actually after? Is is a global democracy something that could ever happen? Are people ever Um, going to actually look for leaders for their compassion and empathy as well as their academic and technical knowledge?
1: um,
2: I believe it is not only possible i think it is
1: essential and maybe even inevitable what i wrote in my book um, the governing systems of the world today here's what's happened there's a collision between the issues we have which are global and the 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 construct for governments which is national, right? And so the existential threats we face are global. They know no borders. <laughs> they don't, yeah. care borders. Yeah. Yeah. don't care about borders. Pandemics don't care about borders. Cyber terrorism doesn't care about borders. Negative birth rates doesn't care about Climate n- None of the existential no. threats. Climate doesn't care about borders. And so the national governments aren't equipped to solve global problems and the global governments are fully emasculated entities. I mean, look at the World Health Organization's handling of the global pandemic. They don't Mm -hmm. have the power to do anything. Mm -hmm. They have the power to plea. And so I think over time, more and more of us will realize that we are are one people. (laughs) Like I don't believe I don't believe in borders or countries or continents, or we're all related, man. Like we're distant cousins. Mm-hmm. And, and so we have to figure out a way to create a global governing system that, that um, is able to not just address these issues, but um, is, is able to um, reinforce our interdependence. Mm-hmm. You know, this. I don't know, I'm sure you've been. I'm sure you've been reading stuff about how the Ukraine is going to cause a, a a global, the globalist thing to go away, and we're going to go back to nationalist, you know, a collection of countries, and and you know, global commerce is going to end. I'm like, bullshit.
0: Yeah.
1: This 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 train is too far down the track. Mm. We're never going to reset on that. It's only going to keep going forward. And so, mm. yes, we need. We will need to figure out a global governance, global democracy that works for all the people and that captures a lot or reflects a lot of what Richard wrote about. But here's the rub. And this is why I talk about the need for a human revolution in my book. We are not gonna get there on the back of the global, of the entities that currently quote unquote, run the world. Mm. Mm. The US government, is not gonna drive the creation of a global democracy. Mm. The autocracies around the world are not gonna drive the creation of a global democracy.
3: So who's gonna do it? How's it gonna get done?
1: We have to do it. Just like you know, every revolution since the beginning of revolutions, the we was the people. Mm. At some point the people said, this isn't working.
2: Yeah. Mm.
1: Pick a revolution, they're all the same. At some point, the majority of the people said this isn't working, not just for me individually. It's not working for us collectively. And we need to work together to figure out how to topple or replace or whatever the current regimes and or demand a different way of running this thing called the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, we do have some good news happening, which is climate. Mm-hmm. Climate is is at our door. And Mm -hmm. right now, we're still playing the bullshit games of nationalistic, China's not doing shit, Russia doesn't care, India is whatever.
2: But at some point,
1: at some point, it's gonna get really real for everybody. At some point, and there's a tipping point where the climate disasters and it's annihilation of millions and millions of people around the world, the loss of property, the loss of everything, at some point, is going to get so bad. And I'm not being a doomsdayer. This is like proven. We know this is going to happen. Yeah. Mm. The sad part about humans is, you know, the only, the only two motivators of behavior change are aspiration or desperation. We suck at being motivated by aspiration. So we need desperation. So we're going to need calamity mm. at a global level to actually unite, to figure out how to reset and redefine The whole thing. Yeah. Which which I think will need to look a lot like what Richard depicted. Mm. But we sadly we're gonna have to wait for that day. Now, what we can do, we the people, can start being activists now and start stepping into the role of demanding change Mm. in our communities, in our cities, in our country, in our in our world. Like I mentioned before, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people, organizations and individuals doing the kind of work that you guys are doing, we need to be millions. Yeah. I read recently that if you want to create a movement, you want to create a successful rev- revolution, you need at least 10% of the population involved. Yeah. So if there's 7.8 billion people on the planet or whatever the number is, call it 800 billion or 8 billion rather, um, we need 800 million.
0: I guess one of the problems is coordinating. Even if people have the right sentiment and want to change, how you coordinate that sort of thing like uh, that's a tricky that's, thing because you've got it. the structures well, that are kind of suppressing. In many countries, you can't say it. You can't mention the word war in Russia, or you right. can, you know in China, you know there's no yeah. freedom of speech.
1: Yeah, and I, I you know I, I would be a. Uh, presumptuous to imply that i have any any real answers um i i will say the work i'm doing with the book and this idea of a human revolution is going to culminate in creating an organization called the human revolution i bought the url so i'm like halfway there Um, (laughs) so we get to uh, join we get to
3: join the the human revolution
1: the idea of it is kind of two levels at least of function. One is aggregation of of effort. So you can go on the site and find all the different organizations and individuals working on different aspects of the problem, whether the problem is intention setting, how do we define human progress, the problem is redefining systems, education, healthcare, finance, or other systems, or the problem is individual behavior. Because all three levels are, you got to do all three. You can't do any of them. So one is aggregation of all that effort, because there are literally hundreds of thousands of entities, including you guys, that the world needs to be able to see, like, oh, there already is a movement. Mm -hmm. And then underneath that is the ability to connect people to other people, person to person, who are working at some level on some aspect of this thing that they want to learn from, relate to, share with Mm. So it's literally like a, it's like social media for the cause. Mm. Mm. And it can be one of the things that like Suzanne said that I want to, I just want to reinforce every little bit helps, including you working on you. Yeah, You finding your human will ultimately help the movement. The mm. more people who speak Swahili, <laughs> the better our chance. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be some massive undertaking. It doesn't have to be global. Mm. It can be within the confines of your home. Yeah. So go ahead.
3: Well, I was going to say, which is, which is what we, (laughs) we try to come back to in this as well, because we want to talk about these systems issues, but then we do, we want to leave everyone with something that they can do today. That's going to help them, you know, what that, that's going to help them move forward.
1: So one of my, uh, maybe there's a good way to wrap up on, um, for me anyway, one of my statements or beliefs um, is this, that behavior is the root of all actions, all decisions, and all consequences.
3: Right. Can you say that again? You got to say that again. Behavior.
1: For me. Mm-hmm. Human behavior is the root of all actions, all decisions, and all consequences. Mm-hmm. And this gets to this human understanding thing. Our behaviors are what creates consequence. We behave one way, we create this consequence. We behave another way, we create this consequence. We behave. A behavior is deciding to act. That behavior is deciding to be introspective, mm-hmm. to be introspect. Like all everything we've been talking about in terms of our choices are ultimately behaviors. Yeah. And so, if we can motivate, and I've said to people. If we can't motivate behavior change at an individual level, game over. Yeah, mm. systems change. Uh, policies alone will not solve climate. Yeah, unless they're so refined in terms of carrots and sticks that if you don't do X, you'll be terminated. You know, unless it gets to that level. But I, I, I don't think that'll work. So, so we have a choice as a species to to begin to change our behaviors, to get closer to our human Mm -hmm. and to band together, to demand the world gets closer, not just to humans, but to all life, you know, like we haven't even talked about other species and what we're doing to them. But Mm. again, my point is it all begins with us. Like we can sit here and wait for the government to solve the problem. I don't think it ain't happening. I mean,
0: yeah. No. Mm. Chris, anyway. fantastic. I love well, talking fine. to you. I love talking to you. You're an amazing guy. I have to say, w-
3: I, I, well, I have to say as well, which, and I know well, we're going to ask you where to find out information about you and that as well, but I got onto your website mm-hmm. and started reading some of your blogs and <clears> I've actually, I've, I've printed heaps of them out here and you can oh see I've even... I've even been highlighting them. Because Which I one is that it. first Sorry. one?
1: What's that That's first one you're looking at? The Virus of Fear. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were
3: some of my favorite. The Virus of Fear, Lead Us, Where Have All the Grown Ups Gone, and How Is Your oh, Integrity yeah. Doing? These are, these, these are some of my favorite ones. But you know what I love and what I wanted to point out to our listeners in that as well is that the way you write, I can hear you saying it to me you know i can hear i can hear you you just talking to me about this mm-hmm. and i find it it's it's really easy to read it's not like as if you know you're i guess this is the thing i just i feel like sometimes people think you know when they're trying to find their human that it is all of this like really intellectual mm-hmm. you know big words and stuff but it's not it just comes down to just it's it's simple it's it's like it's the simplest thing we can do but we all find it so difficult and that's what I sort of found in your blogs as well that I just yeah I, I would recommend to I'd recommend to all of our listeners oh, thank, to you for, to your well, thank you for reading yeah um,
1: I would say that I get that feedback a lot on my writing and my speaking um, but I think that is that is the point right yeah
3: it's it's human you're being human we're just,
1: we're just being human we're just talking to each other and we don't need to we don't need to layer into it fancy language or sophisticated stuff mm. um, we just need to we just need to communicate yeah um, and I think again back back to like how to do this finding other people that want to speak the same language want to want to converse about it is really really key yeah so.
3: I love deep conversations. I've, I've actually decided in my, in, in life, I, I quite often with my friends now say that I, well, it's sort of like how you said you sort of moved away from one of your friends. Yeah. I, I, I only, I only want to have deep conversations, you know, or, or, yeah. you know, not, but, but have conversations with meaning um, for me in life. Now yeah. I've reached I mean, that well, point.
1: Yeah, well, one quick thought there just sort of consistently what we've been talking about for the for the audience um think of yourself as a curator your life is a curatorial opportunity curating you know you know what that word means you're yeah. right mm-hmm. so how are you curating the people around you the work you're doing the the, the play you're having the in your case with your kids the experience this is a it's all of it is choice and you put the choice through the lens of desire and intent. And you have these many curatorial opportunities. The one that people are worst at is frankly, as friends,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's a tendency, at least in American society, like your friends are just the people you assembled along the way. But if you put those friends through a filter of, of are these friends that can add meaning to me and that I can add meaning to them? Are these friends on the same path, not necessarily in the same place, yeah. but seeking to better understand what it means to be human, seeking to grow personally, professionally or not. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you, you eschew all people that are not, but it does mean I think curatorially you're working to make sure that the waiting is right. Yeah. that the number of people you have in your life who are capable of speaking Swahili or learning how to speak Swahili is growing. Yeah. And that the other people, that number over time gets less and less.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. I, this is like a, I said to somebody yesterday, I'm militant about who I hang out with
2: because
1: mm. I don't have that much time.
3: That clock's going down, isn't it?
1: The clock's going down. So, if I'm spending a lot of time in non meaningful mm-hmm. relationships where the other person isn't interested in Swahili, mm-hmm. whew, the opportunity to cost of that is huge. Yeah. 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 You know, um, so anyway, I, okay. I need to stop talking.
3: <laughs> no, that's why we're so grateful <clears throat> for the time that you've given to us.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much. And
3: how, how can we find out about you, Chris?
1: Uh, we can just call me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> How do I okay? Do you want to give our listeners your number? <laughs> you do,
1: Chris, you
0: do all sorts of stuff. 617 448.
3: <laughs> you do,
0: um, you write, you speak, you've you you, you you've spoken in, in, in many huge forms, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, and I, yeah, I can just imagine you as a keynote speaker anywhere would be just amazing. But uh, um, yeah. what do you love to do? I mean, the podcast is fun. I mean,
3: so we've got insert how, and you've got
0: your website chris
1: yeah yeah well let me ask
3: the, answer dot org, the, isn't the it? functional question chris colbert.org
1: no chriscolbert.com. So .com, is is chris colbert.com so chris colbert.com is my website and that has as my daughter once said to me dad you have a lot of content <laughs> <laughs> and i'm i'm not sure how she intended that but um it has a lot of content. Uh, everything I've written—not everything, a lot of things I've written—my speeches, my podcasts, uh, my books. Um, Insert human is available on all the podcast platforms, um, but you can also email me. You know, Chris at Chris And I, I, this is—you know—talking to people is a is a big part of what I do. So don't be whoever is listening. If you want to talk to me, talk to me, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to uh, to chat. Um, You know, Richard, I think your question was sort of what's what really um, kind of floats my boat. This does. Like, you got to remember the 35 year old who didn't know how to feel.
0: Mm. You've come a little way. So every day that
1: I feel and every day that I realize I have these relationships that allow me to evolve my capacity to, to feel and to understand self and others every, is a bonus day yeah I, and that doesn't mean that I, have, I don't have shitty days of course i have shitty days but generally speaking
2: mm.
1: what excites me is this yeah you know yeah. And, and whether i'm standing on a stage or doing this or it's all the same thing you know it's just it's mm. um and this idea think- that this this your Panama, style. you know, ATM company wants me to talk about this is
3: wild. So cool! I love
0: it. Yeah, your, the the delight of your style with your podcast and the way you you ask questions and interact—it's you can tell how much you you're just enjoying it. It's just it's fantastic to watch and to listen to. Well,
1: it's funny that you say that because I I interviewed somebody recently and they're like, "That was so fun! That was amazing!" Mm-hmm how are you, how are you able to do that? And I'm like, that's a so weird, uh, uh. and I said, you know, I think it's because I genuinely care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I listen well because I actually care about what's being said, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So, Very true. I should let you guys go.
0: No, we've got to wrap up. You can't wrap up today, Chris. We've got to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can do a marathon, the world's longest <laughs> podcast. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no we go on we go on and we don't edit it's just
3: we don't edit oh, no it's really if, depressing if if, well, I, we, if you liked the to our listeners out there if you liked the podcast yes. like share subscribe. Subscribe. comments we love comments we love comments
0: yeah lots to people comment people get, on get this scared
3: one. to comment but just just comment
0: are we yeah. going to check out or are we just going to go
3: no, I think we better just go because we've gone a long time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we had such a good check-in. Uh, oh, you do
1: that on the end? You do a checkout thing? That's cool. Sometimes.
3: Sometimes usually when we have forgotten to check-in.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay, That's but nice. we're going to go. Thank you so much, Chris okay. Colbert. Everyone contact him. He is fabulous.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on the show, and congratulations, and uh, look forward to more conversation.
3: Thank you.